Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Hi, this is Jim Polzel from Safety Wars. Before we start the program tonight, I wanted to make sure everybody understood that we're going to be talking about a couple of legal cases here. I'm going to mention uh, some stuff up front. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty because there are OSHA citations issued, proposed citations. That does not mean those are the final result. Things get negotiated down. Things get vacated. Things get litigated. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. We are working off of available public records, newspaper accounts, OSHA press releases, and things of that nature. And we can't make any warranty or guarantee as to what was there, if it's true, not true, what the facts are, or anything else. We're just going off of non-copyrighted OSHA information and some of my uh, own observations and field experience, things of that nature. So enjoy the show. Look back to this hearing from you and seeing you tomorrow. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it for our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. Welcome to Safety Wars for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. This year is just flying by, isn't it? I'm going to drive people nuts if I keep saying that. Because I know a lot of people out there are... It's going by very slowly. I actually heard today someone say, I can't wait until 2023 is over. Really? You just got here. I Hopefully, your year is not going that like that. And again, if it is going like that, what are you going to do to change it? Can you change it? Just making sure that we're broadcasting here, as always. Uh, we are streaming live on the internet on safetyfm.com. And we, if we like the broadcast, we're going to upload it to Safety Wars on your favorite podcast network. So tonight, I was not rushed around. We got a little bit of a late start last night, and the whole program was rushed. So we're going to review some of the things that we talked about last night. Number one. And number two, we are there's some other stuff we're going to do a deep dive in. We're going to start out with fall protection and the new fall protection standard coming out is ANSI Z359.14. Uh, dealing with specifically self-retracting lanyards, but we're going to be changing the name a little bit, right? And changing things up. 
Now we're going to talk about what we uh, spoke about last week, I believe it was Friday, about the second largest OSHA uh, citation in New Jersey since like 2015 on a roofing company. And I paid a little bit of a visit to the site over the weekend after church, and we uh, it was pretty interesting. So we're going to start out right off the bat with the financial stuff because I actually have a couple of listeners that contact me and say, look, we want to hear about the financial stuff up front. So yeah, but a lot of people want to hear about the other stuff. Yeah, but we want to hear the financials. Well, it only takes a minute, so we'll do this, all right? So the stocks retreated uh, today. Dow Jones fell more than 600 points. Stocks fell after a fresh batch of data on producer prices and retail sales offered mixed signs of how the economy is weathering the Federal Reserve's tightening campaign. Dow Jones Industrial finished slightly down, 33,296. S&P 500 was down, 3928. NASDAQ at almost uh, came down a little bit at uh, 10,957.01. Russell 2000 at 1854.36. U.S. Treasury note, 10 year up, 3.372%. Bitcoin. Is at twenty thousand six eighty seven. It seems to recovered a little bit from its problems last month and the month before. Crude oil is down slightly today, seventy eight eighty two. Going to precious metals, we have gold at nineteen seventeen sixty. It's up slightly. Silver at twenty four twenty, holding steady. Platinum fell at two one thousand fifty five ten down slightly in palladium at one seven seventy four up slightly okay now that's your financial news now hold on for some of the regular safety news so what of the what are we here for right we have new listeners what what do we talk about we talk about safety and the news, sort of like Jay Allen's uh, show in the morning, first hour in the radio R safety show. We had some of our commentary here, but yeah, we talk about, we try to be like that first, right? You're going to hear this stuff tomorrow morning sometimes, or maybe tonight, but we're like at a nice time here at eight o'clock Eastern time where everybody's going to bed. Maybe they're going to listen to this when they get up in the morning. Now, if I get this uploaded tonight. Well, the other thing is this. We're at afternoon drive time on the West Coast of the United States. So it's 5.05 there. It's 8.05 here. And uh, we're, we talk about safety in the news. We usually pick a topic and everything else. So we're going to go right to it. I'm going to start off right off the bat here. And we'll talk about those other two topics in a minute. But we're at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, well, I'm waiting for... Possible charges are supposed to be for this is for local charges, right? In New Mexico, on the uh, fatal shooting onset of Alec Baldwin's rust, right? So it's going to be released uh, to the media at 9 a.m. local time on Thursday. That's tomorrow, uh, January 19th. So a decision on whether any charges will be filed in the 2021 fatal shooting on the New Mexico set of Alec Baldwin's film Rust will be revealed on Thursday. Know what? We may do a replay of some of our commentary on Rust because there's more to this than what's here. All right. So I think what they want to do is they have all this litigation that's going to be going on here, obviously, uh, 
I know some of it's been settled already, but I imagine some other stuff is going to be settled also and litigated, but nobody's saying Luvno. And until probably after tomorrow, if someone's going to be convicted, right? They have the Miranda rights, everything else. And if they're not going to, if they're saying, well, everybody's clear, this was truly an accident, then guess what? Then all these other stuff will probably be able to proceed at this point. So that's probably what's going to happen here. Uh, so this, uh, let, let's review this uh, from last week. So this is a press release from Region 2 OSHA. Uh, U.S. Department of Labor finds contractor continues to expose workers to potentially deadly falls, and this time in Upper Saddle River worksite. So let's click on this, right? Less than four months after citing a Trenton roofing contractor for exposing unprotected workers to deadly fall hazards, the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration is once again holding the employer responsible for putting its workers at uh, safety at risk. Now, if you've been listening to the Jay Allen uh, show th- this morning, the uh, podcast, they had a uh, very... Uh, Uh, Let me get the guy's name. I just thought of it. They had a very uh, good uh, podcast from, hold on, Jay Allen Show. What was the guy's name? Jim Frederick. I want to make sure we had the guy's name right. Jim Frederick, they had a phenomenal uh, talk on. He gave a speech at a recent event at the Safety 2 Practical Application Conference in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So uh, Jim Frederick is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of OSHA. And what his whole thing is, is that the agency, OSHA, is looking to be more HOP-related, human organization performance-related, not blaming the worker as much. He explained a lot. uh, No, I really recommend you go over to Jay Allen's show and read this. And uh, Now, if there's a transcript or listen to it, Phenomenal speech and everything with the emphasis and OSHA's emphasis more on, and this is in the statement here, employers responsible for putting its workers' safety at risk. As part of its local emphasis program on falls and construction, OSHA opened up an inspection of a certain place operated by another place at a... Upper Saddle River worksite on July 6th. During the inspection, ocean inspectors observed four workers on a roof exposed to a 30-foot fall hazard without fall protection, as well as additional violations at the worksite on other days that week. At the time, the employer was employed as a roofing con- subcontractor on a blank residential construction project. Following the July inspection, the agency issued 12, viola- 12 citations, Nine willful and three serious, and a proposed $584,333 in penalties for exposing workers to fall hazards, improperly using ladders, and failing to provide head and eye protection. Now, I'm going to try to not mention the company name here, but because it's really not germane, but there's a lot more that goes into this story than what has, was in the news and what was even in the these reports here, right? Blank has a significant OSHA history. Okay, 
and is fully aware of what OSHA standards require. The latest inspection offers further proof that the operator of blank simply refuses to comply with the law. Explained OSHA Area Director Lisa Levy, or maybe Levy, I apologize to you, Ms. Levy or Levy, and Hasford Heights, New Jersey. We will use our full authority to hold this employer and others who continue to put employees in danger accountable. And it goes on and on and on and on. So I went and I looked up here what exactly the citations were. All right. And here, here we go. No, I'll read through them because it's pretty uh, typical for a roofing contractor. And I'm going to add this here, all right? The company was on the list for OSHA. And you're going to find that out with some further research I've done here. So the type of uh, violation, a citation one item on serious. $6,381. And this was personal fall arrest systems shall be rigged in such that an employee can neither fall more than three, six feet nor contact any lower level. All right. So uh, lifelines utilized for rigged such that employees can fall 30 feet and could contact lower levels. Okay. I did, my daughter and I did a site visit over the weekend because this uh, is an, a, residential development, townhouses, about five miles away from my house. And what, what we noticed was that these roofs, these are three-story townhouses for the most part, from what I could I don't know which building they were working on, but they were about 30, about uh, 30 feet, not even high, all right? Maybe a little bit more. Again... This is an issue here. That's why they got cited. Item number two, number two is 1053, improper use of ladders. I'm not going to bore you with all of them. You could go on the OSHA website and look it up. Item number three, serious. Walking up a ladder with three points of contact. $6,300. And I'm rounding the numbers. Type of violation, willful, serious. No hard hats. $63,812. Next one, willful, serious. Eye or face protection. All right. Safety glasses. Face shields. What was that? It's $54,694. Number three, willful, serious. Not protected, employees not protected by guardrail systems, safety net systems, or personal fall arrest systems, $63,812. Number four, willful, serious. What are we looking for at $63,812 for, blah, 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 again, not employees, not uh, protected from lower levels with guardrails, safety net systems, personal fall arrests. Right? Item number five, willful, serious. 
Each employee engaged in residential construction activities six feet or more above lower levels are not protected again. Safety net systems are fall arrest systems. So it looks like they whacked them for every employee not doing this. All right. Or, right, $63,000. Right. That's how I'm reading it. 1926, 501v13. 1926, 501v13. Yeah. Next one, willful, serious. Again, same one. Three employees. Next one, willful, serious. Again, same one. Another $63,000. Next one. 501B13, again. So, for a grand total of... Do, do, do. $584,333. Now, you're going to say, wow. Some of the media reports that were out there on... uh, They said, well, they had previously visited them in March... And these were related to that, a follow-up, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? We did what was called an establishment search. Ooh, what is that? Now, let me point out something. In this area here with uh, roofing companies and OSHA, because uh, this actually does happen. I was talking to a roofing contractor here. And essentially... What happens is, let's say that you're bidding on a job. Whether they're residential, commercial, or what have you. What, what are you going to do if you're a, con- a general contractor, building owner, homeowner, something like that? You're probably going to shop around, right? You're going to go and you're going to get bids, put things out for bid. And what's going to happen? You're, no, there's going to be a winner in a bid and a loser in a bid, right? So what the roofing contractors do here, and I heard it from, uh, I'll say I asked a couple of OSHA guys, and they were a little bit ambiguous. They didn't really want to answer that. I don't even think that they're allowed to answer a question like that, so I can't really blame them. But uh, what uh, the... Uh, Right, because everything is supposed to be confidential with OSHA. And if you make a report, that's supposed to be confidential. So, you know, they, they're holding their, hey, no, we can't really talk, you know, that sort of thing. But I was talking to roofing contractors, two of them. And they said, what happens is, let's say that you're the loser on a bid. Right? Uh, you're a loser on a bid. You're driving by and you're saying, hey, uh, I place a bit on such and such a facility a month later you see another contractor your competitor out there what happens well there's a quick call to 1-800-321-OSHA this is what I've heard from two different roofers and people get reported that's what it is. people play dirty up here you're in uh, Rockland uh, and Bergen uh, County uh, uh, Bergen County New Jersey Rockland County New York Westchester Orange County New York a lot of development up here and this is the kind of stuff people do. They call OSHA on each other. The roofers are very nasty, uh, some of them. They get upset. Uh, I've heard of other contractors 
uh, doing this in other industries, but this doesn't surprise you that roofers would do this, and this is what I'm hearing. Now, I did a little bit of a deep dive here. So what happens? You call it on, on each other. That's why a lot of the roofing that gets done is especially on the residential level only gets done on the weekends. Why? OSHA is not open on the weekends except for fatalities stuff. You call up 1-800-321-OSHA, you're going to get an answering service, and they might get back to you on Monday uh, if it's going to be a imminent threat or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, fa- no, I'm, saying, I'm not saying don't call up OSHA. I'm just saying this is what you're going to get with that. They don't, you know, uh, if it's an imminent hazard they or a fatality, they're going to get back to you immediately probably. But for a Reporting on another contract or an unsafe condition, they're probably going to take their time a little bit. That's just the way the system's there. They don't have unlimited resources. As Jim Fredericks said, they hired more OSHA citation officers and everything, but they're still at 22, around 22, 2300 people for all 50 states. And I'm sure the seven territories have OSHA representation on there also. Guess what? Not a lot of people to go around here. And plus, they're involved in whistle, federal whistleblowing stuff for 20 laws that aren't even OSHA related. Pardon me. So, not a lot of resources here, very limited resources. That's why states like New York and many of the other states have their own state OSHAs. And in New York, we have Carlos's law and we have the scaffolding law. Right, the uh, 240 laws, right, uh, and everything uh, that really go. Someone falls, or and no, you're you're gonna and dies. You're you've got a problem now in New York because you're not only getting hit up with a scaffolding law violation from the person who fell, you're possibly getting criminal uh, liabilities if for a company under Carlos's law, which came into effect on January 1st. So, you know, there's a lot to be lost here. There's, a, you know, th- th- this is game on, guys, right? Up here in New York and in the Northeast, right? Uh, with a lot of this stuff. So I went and did a deep dive here, getting back to the story. This contractor allegedly, according to the establishment search, was visited. How many times here? Do, do, do. Number of times. Right? Between the two companies that were in here, that were visited by uh, OSHA here, we're talking, they were visited, as I count them, like nine times, including this time. So eight other times. So... With the one company that was named that was named in here in its current incarnation, it was visited on do 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 by Hasbrook Heights office of OSHA. It was visited on May of last year. All right. It was visited again in May of last year, a second time. The violations were a little bit higher. First time, it was $10,000. Second time, it was $118,000. And that was all settled down and everything else. You know, this stuff always gets settled. And, 
you know, uh, always, no, as, even if they're willful, no, there's going to be negotiated, they're going to be litigated and everything else. But if you go back and the records, right, in March, they were visited by OSHA, right? Again, willful violations. And if you go all the way back, assuming that these are the same company, the same entry, or there's linked somehow, first time, $4,000 fine for fall protection and hard hats. Second time, 2021, March, hard hats, right? And, uh, or I'm saying the second one is eye protection and fall protection. Total penalties, right? $11,000. Coming back to another time in 2021, in July, for one of these companies. The violations, $18,000. November of 2021, violations settled at like, uh, we're talking like, $8,000. Now, now we get into March of 2022. $100,000. Now, now we go to April of 2022. Again, one of the companies involved here, $23,000. Right? Then you get into the big ones in March. You get, and uh, I'm sorry, this is with another one. Uh, the May of 2022, same kind of violations here, $10,000. Then in May, two weeks later, then you get the big ones. You get $118,000. These are all big. This would sink any company out there, that small business person. Then you get whacked with 584,033. What's my point on this? With the fall protect with the with this. And this is not a criticism of OSHA. OSHA goes, right? This is all under uh eight of these were all under the same administration. Presumably the same OSHA. Before this was in the OSHA of Donald Trump, which was back in 2020. This is what my point is here. These are small penalties by these by OSHA levied to these companies. All right. These companies that were cited here. All right. Uh Small, 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 small. And it looks like the one company bought another company here. All these small penalties, all of a sudden you get whacked with a large penalty. This is a long track record here. Is what I'm looking at. If the if and I'm not one caveat, I don't have the EIN numbers or anything else here, but they all seem to be the same company. Here, let's look that up here again.
You do. Hold on one second here. Do, do, do. Okay, hold on. Yeah, if this is the same company, this is like eight or nine times that they're visiting this group of companies here. At least they share the same co uh, uh, name. All right. But w no, what's, what's my point here is that even if they were not the same company here, for, OSHA had visited this company, right, blah, 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 at least four times with $100,000. Here's another one, uh, $10,000. What, what was, what's my point? This seems like it's just a cost of doing business at for these companies, right? So again, this is what I hear from a lot of people who I try to do business with in the past, which I don't try to do business with now. Well, this is just a cost of doing business. We get an ocean citation. So we get a uh, insurance claim. Who cares? We get a fatality. Oh, well, okay. So their culture is so what? We'll just get somebody else. We'll change names, set up shops somewhere else. This is, uh, you know, uh, you know, and then they get whacked with something here. 500 and some thousand. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, they, uh, you know, nobody got killed here with this. I don't know. I don't know really what to say. I'm going to take a break here. We're going to talk some more about fall protection. professional safety community communication and planning are just a few keys to your program success the question many practitioners have is where do i start dr j allen the creator of the safety fm platform and host of the rated r safety show has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. to safety wars tomorrow's safety today osha recordables first aid cases catastrophic losses you want answers so do i this is jim polzel with safety wars
Okay, we're back. I just wanted to double check some stuff. The reason why I do not mention names and companies and everything else is that the name of this roofing company uh, blah, 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 is uh, there's like one in every state with the same name. So we didn't want to defame or uh, say anything against one thinking that it's all over the place. So that's why we do not mention names. It's just really serious. Uh, stuff here, and even uh, the, so, the two companies named here. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see anybody go through this here, and it's totally unnecessary. That I mentioned this when I first started covering this uh, situation. We'll be following this through all along. Is this the uh, how much money would have cost this contractor? to fix this, to prevent this. You can outfit every person, and apparently it was three or four people here that were found in violation right, of the workforce. You can outfit every one of these guys for about 600 bucks, and I'm assuming that they're men, uh, for 600 bucks, for a grand total of 2400 bucks, and I mean, you get the Cadillac of harnesses. You're not getting a compliance harness with this. You're not getting Groovno equipment with this. You're getting good equipment. So for 2400 bucks versus close to 600000 doesn't seem to make sense. The cost of doing businesses would have been cheaper just to get them fall protection and give them training. I said, no, with this. That would have been the cheaper way of doing this rather than this. This makes zero logical sense because i tell you what when you start to get in no what i say when i get phone calls jimmy can you help us out we got osha showed up i saw what no what's the issue what's the, and there's like oh well we got like ten thousand twenty thousand dollars and five okay yeah i can yeah okay we're, we're gonna help you out on this 2030 when they start to get into 200,000, 300, well, guess what? We're no longer going to be talking about uh, hiring Jimmy. You're going to have to hire Jimmy and an attorney with that. And I have attorneys I work with to try to negotiate out of this sort of thing. Because I tell you what, they're playing hardball if they're coming out with $584,000 in fines. So that's when, okay, maybe you go to outside counsel with this and we work with attorneys and there's a whole bunch of other reasons. And especially if you're working in New York where you have somebody hurt or killed, you're dealing with, now you're dealing with a criminal defense attorney at that point. Even if you're a competent person in some cases, and someone gets hurt on you, you're looking at personal liability here, whether it's criminal or uh, civil. So that's with that. Now, we're going to switch gears here with this. Let's go to do, do, do. I just had it here. Where is it? Give me a second. Pardon me, everybody. I uh, I had it here and it got erased. Bear with me. Let's talk about the new ANSI standard here for self-retracting lanyards. 
And you're going to say, well, Jim, what's the big deal? Self-retracting lanyards, self-retracting lanyards, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to give you the point of view of a trainer. And this is the way we've been training people since roughly 2014 on the Z359.14 standard. All right. With, uh, with, uh, with this, right? So, boom, boom, boom. So, okay. So they updated the, so we have ANSI. What is ANSI? And the ASSV, American Society for Safety Professionals, and ANSI, American National Standards Institute, they have combined standards. And for the fall protection, they have, so what is it? It is a trade group. So OSHA updated the fall protection standard, and they issue uh, letters of interpretation and everything starting in 1998. OSHA takes a long time to issue a standard. So it relies on, it'll issue overall standards, but it relies, so for example, shipyards, six foot or, I'm sorry, uh, construction six foot or higher, you have to be thinking about fall protection. General industry four foot, shipyards five foot, right? Uh, uh, marine terminals four feet, and longshoring eight feet, scaffolds ten feet. This sort of thing, right? So they issue overall standards and some stuff, but they're not the leading edge. The leading, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about. Them. They're not the leading. Uh, front tip of the sphere type standards. So ANSI, American National Standards Institute and ASSV, they have issued standards. They issue all different types of stuff. They're industry standards. They issue them for uh, foot protection. They issue them for uh, uh, eye protection, ANSI Z87, head protection, all this other stuff with all different standards, latest technologies and everything else. And are they necessary to comply with? Yes and no. I've had attorneys tell me they'll, they'll break in a fall protection case. If it actually goes to litigation, they break out the NC standard. Uh, I've had uh, uh, attorneys say, no, just worry about complying with the OSHA standard. So it all depends on who you talk about, talk with. But OSHA is going to cite you unless they specifically call out an ANSI standard or NFPA standard or something like that. They're going to specifically cite you on the OSHA standard. And if they don't have a standard, the general duty clause sort of thing. So, but companies, right, and certain entities, and I just went through this today with all of my clients and all their contracts, was I checked out what are they being called out for fall protection. Do they have to comply with the ANSI standard? or just the OSHA standard? And overwhelmingly, the answer was the OSHA standard. Some of them was the ANSI standard, and we're going to be doing a class on the new ANSI Z35914 standard for this. So a couple of things here on the standard. What are the high-level changes that these stuff is addressed, right? So the, uh, it comes down to this. They're trying to simplify types and classes of self-retracting uh, equipment, SRDs, they call them now, self-retracting devices, not SLR, SRLs, SRDs, right? 
so end users can quickly identify a compliant product's capabilities. This is what's going on. Right now, when we teach it under the 2014 standard, what happens is we have two types of lanyards. Three types. You have a rescue one, obviously. Right? But you have basically two types. You have type class A, class B. Class A is personal. Class B is uh, for uh, hanging stuff. You're not going to be confirmed. It's going to be for like you're hanging that on there, like top of a ladder sort of thing, top of a scaffold. And you're going to be using that to climb uh, things. You may be using it like that. You may have a leading edge one where you can put it down where it's five foot bullet, where it could go on the ground and it's on a leading edge. That's what you have all different types of things. And it requires thinking. People have to think about it. So you have to go through training. So this is why Jimmy has like 17 pages of sign-in sheets and handouts when I give fall protection training to teach people and show them and test them and show them what they're trained on. And I have the safety for person in the field continuously go over this stuff so people know what's there. I have clients only buy what they need. Don't buy anything Extra, don't buy anything different. Pick what, say, with one manufacturer. This way, everything's the same. So you get into that Jens Rasmussen skills mode of doing things with the least amount of human error. Right? Makes sense. And this is very difficult. So what they're doing is the stuff that I put in writing and make people sign, which I'm still going to make them sign, is now on the lanyard, on the self-retracting uh, device. Right. Also, it increases factors of safety on multiple components and tests. So the updated testing, things of that nature, that does get in the field. Yeah, it's nice to know, but it doesn't in there uh, with things. And standardized labels and markings make a clear what's going on. So in 2014, we have SLR. SLR, SRLR for devices with rescue and retrieval functions, and SRLLE for leaning edge capability. So you have three classes and three uh, types, right? SL, self retracting lanyard, self retracting lanyard retrieval, self retracting lanyard leaning edge. You had three of them. And inside those, you had two classes, class A or class B. And the intent was to organize SRDs in types and everything like that confuses the hell out of everybody. All right. So you really got to be into it to understand this. I had a comment on this a couple of weeks ago. So now they updated this. I hope it doesn't because right. This is going to cause confusion a little bit because you're going to have mixed equipment now. So you have types that are 21 types. SRL self-retracting lanyard. SRLP for personal devices meant to be installed on the user's full body harness or SRLR for devices with rescue and retrieval functions. So one is going to be a regular SRL, you hang on something, SRLP, you wear, and SRLR for retrieval. And both classes are going to have class one or class two. So... What's the difference? Class one devices, you're going to be able to wear at or above the dorsal D-ring. Class two are going to be at, are going to be above, for above, are going to be good for below five foot, 
right? So tying off on, let's say, at your feet, right, are suitable for above, at, or up to five foot below the dorsal D-ring. Must be leaning edge rated, right? Now, I had a big argument with somebody. That, well, they wanted to have a big argument with me about two years ago. But thank God for YouTube and the video for leaning edge lanyards. They had never heard of a leaning edge lanyard. They took their fall protection class, and they were the confident person. They took it in 2005, had no clue about 2014 uh, uh, ratings or the one before that, and had no clue about it. So we had a training class, and the guy said, wow, thank you, Jimmy, for letting me know and not arguing with me. Or actually, he said, thank you for pushing back on me and arguing with me because now I know what the hell I'm going to do now. And guess what? The whole company got, uh, I was able to parlay a full-blown fall protection training class for the whole company. So, you know, uh, so between me and another contractor. So, because it was like 300 people. So anyway, uh, this is the sort of thing that we're going to be treated. So let's review. You're going to have SRL for hanging. SRLP for wearing, and SLR, SRLR for retrieval. Okay, great. And you're going to have class one or class two. That's the major thing. We're going to do a video on this as soon as we can get a hold of some equipment here. So this is all supposed to roll out next month. There's a six-month uh, extension rolling out in August. So if you want training on this, give us a call, 845-269-5772. We will give you training on this. So, to uh, do, do, do with this standardized labeling, we're not going to go into on this on the types of uh, you know classes here. Now you need to now. This is there's some practical implications here, right? Standardized labeling requirements, so people could keep track of what the hell's going on with this. They came up with new standardized labeling here. And if you could see it on my video screen that I have in front of me, you'll see, wow, this is going to be easy to talk about. So now they're only going to have to be able to read the lanyard and actually do this. Now, this is where it's going to become critical in the field. On all of, on all of their stuff, what's, what's the first criteria? If it's not the first, it's up there. On all the, on all of the, Equipment. What's the first thing you got to do? Got to inspect it. By a confident person, pre-use inspection. What's the first item on there? Labels. These labels had better be in there. Right? Had better be on there. And you have to te teach people like we were talking last week to actually read labels. That's going to be a behemoth task to get people to... So you're going to have to come up with a system of how uh, to, uh, to do this, right? So the next thing is this. What do you do in the next six months? Hmm. Well, what do you mean, Jim? I can see in the next six months... There's going to be a lot of old 2014 compliant equipment that's going to go up for sale real cheap. What are you going to do when you have a problem? Someone gets hurt and you're dealing with old equipment under the old standard. You might be in a little bit of a jam here, 
right? Might be in a little bit of a jam. What are you going to do? Are you going to throw out all your old equipment? Some companies are going to end up doing that because they're working on sites that require the new equipment, the most updated ANC standard. They may throw out all of their old equipment, and now where's that equipment going to go? That might disappear and become out there in the field. Now you got to really worry about repair history. Uh, you have to really uh, know what use history. Where is this coming from? Is it old equipment? How old is it? All this stuff goes into it. You're, you may have an issue on that. Second thing is this. You're going to have mixed equipment, some new equipment, some old equipment. You're going to have that old grizzled veteran that's going to say, I've been using this for years. I'm not giving it up. You're going to have that issue. Now you're going to have old equipment. You got to work out all these details. And I'm sure there's going to be some slick salespeople out there who say, throw out all your equipment and buy new. Some companies are actually going out and recertifying the old equipment. Right? Check with your manufacturer. So I would be very, and if you're going to buy new equipment, be very, very uh, weary on what you buy in the next six months or so. You may just say, look, can we hold off on buying equipment and buying the new equipment? Uh, are, can we, uh, we want to buy all the chief equipment now and then just use it. And as we wear it out, we replace it and we'll deal with this at a later time. And all this is heading at a very financially challenging time for a lot of companies. So I see a complete and total freaking mess here if you're going to do that, but it doesn't have to be, you give us a call. We'll help you solve and answer these questions for you. And you got a lot of information just now. So uh, let me check on one thing here for this because I'm not seeing this in my notes. Are uh, My understanding is that some of the fall protection distances, uh, Z359-14-1, some of these fall protection distances are going to be uh, – are going to be uh, uh, updated here. So I have one article here, right, with this. Boom, boom, boom. Here you go. Okay. So the class, uh, class 13 is uh, described, right, right, are class one self-retracting, Devices will shall be used only on an overhead anchorage and shall be subjected to maximum freefall two feet or less in practical application. So class one, okay. Class two, self-retracting devices are intended for applications where an overhead hazards may not be available or feasible and which may in practical application be subjected to a freefall of no more than six feet over an edge, right? Blah, blah, blah. So it looks like uh, it looks like the fall protection distances may not change, but more will follow on that uh, when we get the standard here. We review it. Uh, we're going to have some further communication. So some of the uh, information I have on the standard sh says that, hey, fall protection distances may change. Some of them may not. Hmm. Something that we need to consider here uh, with this Uh
Yeah, here it is. For class one or class two, the arrest distance 42 inches. And I'm getting this from falltech.com. Uh, right? So, uh, no, the fall protection distances are going to change for this, apparently. So, again, don't do anything until you take a full class, full blown class on the new standard, number one. Uh, review the standard, number two. And number three, Get with your manufacturer and see what they say. Where you're buying this stuff from, and you know, you know, you may not want to go with your regular salesperson unless they're really good and they really know what they're talking about and doing. You may want to go and uh, call someone at the actual manufacturer and figure out what they're going to do. So here we have from Fall Tech, right? Is uh, Class 1 and 2, the SRD class, maximum arresting force is 1,800 pounds. The average arresting force is 1,300 pounds, which goes to show you, right, that a, uh, with that, right? And the arrest distance is 42 inches. So this is what they're saying. I think that needs to be double-checked because I'm getting conflicting information here. Uh, do do Okay, that's what I got on here. So, in review, tomorrow we're waiting for the Alec Baldwin rust, number one. Number two, uh, if you're a roofing contractor in North Jersey, right, and you get visits from OSHA, take them seriously. Correct what you're doing. Do a cost-benefit analysis versus OSHA citations and everything else and getting training and write equipment for your employees. And three, stay tuned for more on the ANSI Z359.14. We're going to be doing a 2021 edition. We're going to be doing a, uh, uh, we're going to be doing a uh, video on this, and we're probably going to be talking about this again. And if you want fall protection training, give us a call, 845-269-5772. Uh, how much more time do we have? I got to check the time because I got a complaint that I'm not checking the time and not sticking the schedule. So we got four minutes and so we cut it. We got like two minutes here. Want to talk about Ukraine? Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Ukraine. Navy secretary. Carlos Del Toro is concerned that when the next six months, the U.S. Navy won't be able to arm, right? Won't be able to arm both itself and Ukraine, urging contractors to boost production and meet the demand. Navy Secretary Carlos Del Toro admitted that there are concerns about America's weapons cache as uh, the government continues to arm Ukraine. The secretary was asked at a service Navy Association conference on Wednesday, that's today, whether he agreed with an admiral's statement the Navy might get to the point where it has to make a decision whether it needs to arm itself or Ukraine. He was very careful not to comment on the possibility of a choice. But according to one source, if the conflict goes on for another six months or for another year, it's going to continue to stress the supply chain in ways that are challenging. 
Del Toro ultimately military contractors, saying they need to boost production to meet demand. The article came from the dailymail.co.uk. Okay. When this started, and at the beginning of this live program back in September, I said, we've been dealing with an ammunition problem in the United States since 2010, and that was intensified in 2015. With huge amounts of you know, lead smelters went offline, decommissioned, lead ammunition made from lead. There were uh, depleted uranium things because they make that from depleted uranium ammunition and all different types of shortages. At a certain point, we're going to run out of stuff because I talked to hunters, target shooters, police. Guess what? They have the ammunition they can't afford, they can't get, and everything else. At a certain point, we're going to run out of it. Now we have all this stuff going over to Ukraine, especially the 7.62 millimeter rounds and these 2.47 rounds for the AK-47 and AK-74s going over there. On over there, all the clones and everything else. I don't know. I think this is, we identified it early on here and with all the other supply chain issues and the ex uh, offshoring of a lot of our defense industry. So, uh, I don't know who, who's to blame. We know blame fixes nothing here, but this was identified by me, by a lot of other people for years and years and years ago. So somebody should start listening at a certain point. I don't know. Uh, and not call everybody a bunch of conspiracy theories and doomsday preppers and uh, doomsday porn uh, hustlers. So for Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney 
from 25 years ago. Contact the Safety Words team at safetywords.com or call Jim Pozel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces.